Thank you, that was great music. I read from Max, second chapter, first 21 verses. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from the heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in their native language, amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are full with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the Joel prophet, through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. 
the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. A man named Timothy Merrill took his wife and two boys on vacation. The family was seated in a plaza of a town in northwest Greece and hoped to order food. The following is Merrill's own words. Generally, we've had found that people have a smattering of English and usually we could communicate what we wanted. But not in this town. And especially not when we had dinner that evening at an outdoor table in the village square. A kindly old gentleman waited on us, appearing from the little dilapidated restaurant on the edge of the square. His face was round and cheeky. He wore a dark food-stained vest over a blousy white shirt. He had a little pad in his hand and a pencil poised to take our order. The menu was in Greek, and we didn't have a handy-dandy guidebook to explain a thing. We decided on Greek salads, but we wanted only two. We thought the boys could share one, and Jeannie and I would share the other. We didn't want four plates of something we didn't like. He beamed and nodded his head, yes, yes, and off he went. A few minutes later, he reappeared with two plates, and we saw that he had prepared tasty little hamburgers and french fries. Perhaps he thought that all Americans eat hamburgers and fries. In any case, we were delighted at our good fortune and appreciated the fact that we had not seen minnows on skewers or something with its eyes still in. The fact that we appeared pleased with the food also pleased him very much. So we asked him to bring two more such plates. Now this is where the trouble began. The poor man, who moments ago had been beaming, now was frowning and concerned. We held up two fingers, then four fingers, pointing to the boys and to us. Then I intervened. I yelled, we want two plates, hamburgers. The old man stared at me. Honey, you are shouting. I turned to Jeannie. Huh? You're shouting. He can hear you. I tried again. We like it to food. Two more, please. And I pointed to the plates. 
Honey, what? Now you're talking in a stupid accent. I don't even understand you. I'm just trying to keep it simple. We like two plates, yum yum, more. You can't expect him to understand English. That's not even English. She turned to the proprietor and said, thank you for the food. We would like two more of the same. I said, like he's going to understand what you said. Well, probably not, but at least I didn't yell and I spoke in good English. Let's see what happens. Five minutes later, the chef delivered two more plates of hamburgers and fries to our table. Well, today we no longer need to suffer through failures of communication. Most online pages can now be translated. If you have a phrase or a paragraph of text, you can easily get it translated from English or Dutch, let's say. Google is working on an earbud technology that offers real-time translation to speakers in two languages. Waverly Labs is reportedly working on an earpiece they're calling the Pilot. It will be inserted into the ear. Each of two people can put one in their ear and hold a conversation in two languages at the same time. For now, the languages will be limited to English, French, Spanish, and Portuguese. The makers of the pilot claim it is able to translate speech like the Babel fish in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Well, now let's look at the scene described in Acts 2. The disciples and newly minted apostles, were filled with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly they could not stop talking. They began to speak to the throngs gathered in Jerusalem from all over the world. These listeners didn't expect to understand a word that the apostles were saying. They were amazed to hear their own language being spoken fluently. Of course, there was no technology such as a pilot to put in their ears, so what did they have in their ears? It would be more accurate to ask what they had in their hearts and infused throughout their souls. They had the Holy Spirit. It was the apostles filled with the Holy Spirit that launched off a new era. That, in the words of some observers, turned the world upside down. The communication that day was perfect, so much so that 3,000 souls were baptized. What could we use to make conversations in our own language perfect. Conversations between husbands and wives, 
between parents and children. Is there anything that would help us avoid misunderstandings and wrong, wounded feelings because of ill-spoken word or deed? Douglas Adams, who is the author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, confesses the poor Babelfish by removing all barriers between communications caused more bloodier wars than anything else in existence. The church is one place where you'd think a translator would not be needed. The church came into being at Pentecost and was given birth by the Holy Spirit. You would think that any institution born of the Holy Spirit and infused and empowered by the Holy Spirit would be a great help to humankind. Surely it would be unified and powerful force in the world. But the history of the church tells us otherwise. Even our own history of the Stone-Campbell movement has had two splits. The Disciples of Christ, the Independent Christian Church, and the Churches of Christ. So let us ask, what is the church? The church is people. The text says nothing about the word church, even though the passage describes what we like to call the birthday of the church, the word church is not mentioned. The Greek word we translate church today did not have any religious connotation. It only meant an assembly of people. The church is people. It actually started a few days before Pentecost. According to Acts 1.15, 120 people gathered together, of which 12 were designated apostles, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, his brothers. This then was the first meeting of the church. It was a small church until Pentecost, just 120. No pastor, no elder board, no trustees, no finance committee, no building, no pews, no hymnals. The church is ordinary people. The remarkable is that they were unremarkable. They were just good people. They hadn't been trained to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they hadn't gone to university or seminary. They could, you could argue that the disciples had spent three years with Jesus, but a lot of good that did. At the end, even Jesus confessed that in spite of their three-year internship, they still didn't understand the scriptures. They fell asleep during prayer, they were still expecting Jesus to launch a political coup. They just didn't get it. So you could say 
All of these people were ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Peter, who had quavered at the pointed finger of a certain servant girl only weeks before, now began preaching fearlessly. He would later stand up to the Sanhedrin, the most learned body of men in Jerusalem. Of course, the difference in these ordinary people was the Holy Spirit. The church is ordinary people doing extraordinary things united in a common cause. The word united is the key. They were united in their message. What Peter has to say in our text and the verses following makes it clear. The message is Jesus. Jesus is alive, then he is dead. He is alive again, and everyone who calls on Jesus will also live eternally alive. This is the core message. No Babel fish translator is needed. When the people of God keep it about Jesus, everything else seems to work out. Pentecost then is a time to reassess. Pentecost Sunday is an opportunity to reassess what we, the people of God, are doing. The pilot may prove to be an extraordinary translating device. But after Waverly Labs made the announcement two years ago, nothing has been heard of it since. And of course, skeptics say that probably we won't. But the Holy Spirit launch on Pentecost was a huge success, and in the church, our translator is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that is in guiding us through the new beginnings process. Pentecost is a time to revisit what it means to be faithful to the values Christ taught. The Holy Spirit is our pilot, not inserted in our ears, but in our hearts and lives. First service, I hit my chest. Not a good idea with the mic. Amen. If you're here this morning and need to make your commitment through the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ, we invite you to do so. If you're here this morning and want to make this your church home, having already committed your life to Christ, we invite you to come as well as we sing our uh, hymn of commitment, number 247.